Hey guys, I want to remind you that I do have a Patreon page for those that are not familiar with that. It's an easy way for um, those interested in my work to see new exclusive content and updates before anyone else. And it's also an opportunity to contribute to the show to help with a project that will be rolled out and as well as the opportunities I have to give back to the community by contributing as little as $1 per month. Yes, I do not discriminate against money. You can actually contribute to the show. As one of my listeners and supporters, I'd like to invite you to be a stakeholder on the show as well. If you're interested in becoming one of my patrons please help me and lay the foundation for what i hope to be a great ongoing project the most stable show if you're not in a position to become my patron to financially contribute to the show that's no worries at all your support still means the world to me another way you can help is to spread the word every time you get announcements about new episodes please share it on your page and maybe even adding a few words about what each episode means to you and things like that so thank you all and i do appreciate your support and for giving me courage to keep this platform going now enjoy the show oh i can hear you perfectly well super high <laughs> really nice chatting with you for the first time <laughs> i know we, I've, I've like told you my life story already <laughs> i know i know i think it's just that uh, african connection and the sisterhood yeah it started with the yeah. text you know from that whatsapp group we all belong to i was like oh, i need to talk to her because oh my gosh someone from lesotho like are you kidding me <laughs> I've been sharing that leprechaun thing with everybody. I'm like, I love it. <laughs> and thank you so much for receiving it. Sometimes I just come up with these words and I'm like, I hope it's received well and doesn't sound offensive. But I'm glad that you you are with that and you know that you saw the intention behind it. It was just like to kind of like because we hardly see you guys. Like we hardly hear about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing big things quietly. And then my husband was like, and you know, a lot of your people are kind of short, so leprechaun. So I'm standing there going, no, no, my people are not short. My people are not short. And I can only think of one person that I know who's over six foot. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea about that. I had no idea about that. Anyway, That's what cracks me up. To me, what's what that is ruined that joke. No, I can't even think about that anymore without laughing now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much. And um like thank you so much for just your quick reception. We just started talking less than a week ago and we like made this connection and here you are on the show. Oh absolutely. And one thing you'll find out about me is like I can talk. You I can talk. <laughs> Hello, have you met me? Because I love to talk as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think between both of us, my heart's like, you know, find out. Yeah. Like... <laughs> exactly. Anyways, uh, all right. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I am Sibyl, and this is the More Sibyl Podcast. Welcome back to the show. This is the Most Civil Podcast, a podcast about culture and cultural nomads designed for Blacks and Asians and those who love them. I'm your host, Most Civil Nigerian, born U.S. educated, Korean speaking, struggling intellectual. So um, there's this WhatsApp group that my friend from China, Stephanie, you've seen her episode on the show, and she's a podcaster as well. She had um, added me to this WhatsApp group, and I tried to avoid any group with one and two, three people. I don't like being part of a group because I don't like being part of like a lot of WhatsApp groups, just how, you know, draining they can get and how, you know, people just want to send you blast messages and things like that. 
But this particular group, I pride them in just doing a very good job. It's very resourceful and it's just a resource for podcasters like me. And so um, I had joined that group, I think, this year or so. And it's really been like a treasure trove. So like, you know, learned the, 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 the kinks of the trade and, you know, best practices. It was there that I realized I needed to work on my audio and, you know, good mics to buy, how to save money and things like that. So um, one of the things we do on the group is if you're new to the group, you say a little bit about yourself and then you have to go on a spreadsheet and fill in your information. And I, I got this um, introduction, like there was a, my phone like buzzed and it was from the group and I'm like, okay, who's that? And I read their bio, I'm like, ooh, this is interesting. So as you guys know, I love culture, right? And you know, I'm all crazy about African and Asian cultures. And um, as a Nigerian, we are a very forceful bunch. And the fact that we think of Nigeria as just the whole of Africa and everybody else in the tiny ball. And I would say that this person's um, culture was something that I can remember the last time I heard about her country was probably when I was in primary school. And so when she came on there and said, oh, my name is Patricia and I'm a Brit slash Mosotho. And I'm like, someone from Lesotho. So I just said, oh my gosh, nice to meet you. You guys are like the African leprechaun. And she just, she was like, oh my goodness. And then she, you know, laughed out loud and and I, I, and the rest, as I say, was history. So, everyone, this is um, Patricia Jenkins. I cannot, I'm not going to be, I'm sorry I should have done this before the show. I do not know how to say your name. Is it Chebola or? Corbella. Corbella. With, with, with a click. You know what? I think Jenkins. Yeah. Is this one? <laughs> but I really want to know. Can you say Corbella? Corbella. Oh, my God. <laughs> Contrary to what you guys think, not all Africans can do that, you know, click, clicking sound. Corbella. Anyway, I think the, the, the click and the should come together, right? See, I don't have that. My tongue is so lazy. It's not even going to rise up to say the national anthem. Anyways, <laughs> this is Patricia Corbella Jenkins. She's the founder of Podcast Maven. And over the past four years, she has grown the Podcast Maven from a hobby to an established online business. And I must say, I'm really impressed with your work, girl, because I went to your website and I saw everything. You're like a dream come true for a lot of podcasters. And we're going to explore your business. She's also a podcast coach and editor. She helps introvert female business owners find their voice, connect to their audience, and launch their own unique podcast. She's the host of the Enterprising Expert, a show focused on inspiring and supporting female experts to start their own businesses in their new home country. Everyone join me in welcoming Patricia from the show. She's from Lesotho. Um, a little unknown place, landlocked in the middle, I don't want to say center smack dab from South Africa, but I might be wrong about that history. But it's an African country, south, you know, of Africa. So, yeah. What's up, girl? <laughs> hey, how are you? <laughs> I am excited. I am. I am excited. Thank you for the great introduction. Thank you. Um, if you were right, it's not slap bang in the middle. It's kind of east. Ish, I did. My geography is bad as well. Okay. But yeah, it's not in the middle of South Africa, but it is landlocked. Um, uh, yeah, how yeah. are you? I'm good. I am just, you know, it's a rare honor for me to find you and not just to find you, but to convince you to come on the show and educate people like me about, you know, your cult, your country, your heritage, and just, you know, um, your process and your story as well. So thank you so much for doing the honors of you and you being the first, you know, Masoto person on the show. <laughs> thank you i i hope i can um 
remember the bits you need about my culture. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. No, pr- no sorry, Masoto, I said Masoto, Masoto person on the show. Well, no pressure on that. Um, so can you just you know, tell us a little bit about what would you like to know about your country and its importance yeah. in Africa as a whole? No pressure. Okay. So I think like every person I'm biased, my country is blessed with a lot of natural beauty. Um, the people are friendly. It's, it's very mountainous. And our greatest resource is actually water. We sell water to South Africa. Um, and I believe in the future that can, it, it could make Lesotho a better place than, you know, economically than it is now. Mm. Um, like a lot of countries, we're kind of struggling, but, um, the populace is, is educated. Um, you know, we've got a lot of people who, who have at least their first degree. Mm. Um, what else do I need you to know about my country? We are known um, for our, our traditional ponies and horse riding. Oh, really? Um, yes. You're like, <laughs> you're like the, um, the uh, what's the name of that place? Monaco, Monaco the Monte Carlo so, of Africa, like horse riding. You guys do polo as well? Do you play polo? It's gone out of fashion playing oh. polo, I think, since the British have left. But um, Basotu, you know, because of the, the terrain being um, so mountainous, the, the best way to get up into those mountainous villages is, is on horseback or on, the, on a sturdy Basotu pony. Um, and, and you can visit it and, and do those kind of activities. Here mm. I am just being the tourism person for my country. Um, what else can I tell you? The language is Sosotu. We have a king. Um, we're a constitutional monarchy, um, and most people speak Sesotho, except, okay, I'm going to raise my hand. We'll get into that, except me. Um, <laughs> people that says, you know what, I understand it most of the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what else? That's all I can think of off the top of my head right now. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I mean, I find it fascinating that, okay, so even your name, Lesotho, roughly means the land of the people who speak Sesotho, you know, and then like, it's about the only country for what I've read that is as far as the altitude level that is that mm-hmm. high, you know, and um, yeah. you know, they call it kingdom in the sky and all that. And um, I didn't really know so much about you guys. I mean, I, I remember your flag was like green, white and blue, you know, cause it, my country's flag is green. So for African countries that had like green flags, green colored flags, like, I had a memory of them, but that was about it. You guys just kind of fell off my, my mind until you came up. So why do you think Lesotho is a relatively unknown place, especially for those of us that are in the West? And I speak for myself and ignorant self, by the way. But why do you think we don't hear so much about you guys? Um, I, I don't know. I think we're a, we're a continent that is, is, is so diverse that, you know what, what, sort of what's going on in our own backyards kind of takes, you know, takes precedence and we all want to work to make our, our countries better. But um, I will say that in the few countries that I've traveled to in Africa, that when I mention Lesotho, at least people have heard of it, you mm-hmm. know, and they will say, Oh, okay. We've never met anybody from there. Mm-hmm. Um, outside the continent, I yeah. will just get a really weird look and people will say, where? <laughs> <laughs> So, so don't be so hard on yourself is what Thank I'm trying you. to say. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. The last time I was just starstruck was when I, when I met someone from Burundi. And I'm sure I must have embarrassed myself because I kept saying, 
you're from Burundi? You're from Burundi? How did you get out? And then, you know, they, they laughed about it. And, you know, because I, I just kept looking at them because you don't get to, we don't get to see, you know, people from that side of the country as a Nigerian, except you go there or, you know, if you're lucky enough to bump into them in the party in Austin like I did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I wish yeah. we, we, we had a better understanding of, you know, one another's history and we had just a better um, cohesiveness, you know, among ourselves. I feel like if you think about the distance between among African countries, it's not so far away compared to like, you know, here and then Europe and, you know, um, America. But it seems like we know so much about those, uh, those countries from those continents that we do about the countries in Africa. That's that's true. I yeah. guess, you know, it, it kind of goes back to our education systems being sort of Western based, which yeah. has its pros and cons. Um, mm-hmm. But we're the generation that can do something about it. I know. I'm hoping that with the um, bone of, you know, the internet and social media, I would love to mm-hmm. see um, like cultural exchange programs. It's actually one of the things I've been trying to campaign on my show, just finding people that can buy into the idea. We can actually send one another to, you know, one another's countries and find out stuff, how we can solve problems together. Because I bet you, like, there's some places in Africa that do better at, you know, some of the issues we are fighting, we're tackling with back home in Nigeria. And how we can, like, you know, exchange best practices and just building the continent as a whole. That would be, like, one of my dreams come true. That sounds amazing. That, that yeah. yeah, I yeah. like that idea. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, so you guys sell water to South I know South Africa is having, like, a huge drought problem. And who would have thought that water, like you, and I see that you guys even refer to it as white gold, something as, you know, um, as accessible as water could end up changing and lifting the economy of your country. I mean, that's really so cool. It is. It's an amazing resource. Um, Like we kind of touched on, I think that the populace has to be more open-minded and better educated about how it can work for us and especially how the revenue can work for yeah. us. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes, I'm going to get political now, but sometimes treaties that were written 20, 30 years ago might need to be looked at. Tell me about that. <laughs> so, you know, if, it, yeah. if it's not keeping up with the times and the people are not benefiting because we're also one of the poorer countries and I'm like, well, why would there's fewer than two million of us i know right i mean you guys can feed into like three four local governments in my country because we are about 190 million you know i'm like wow like that is crazy you know (laughs) i can't i can't even imagine seeing that many people um but yeah nigeria is still one of the places I, i still want to visit my husband spent some time there yeah. Uh, in the early 90s, he absolutely loved it. Oh, really? So, That's yeah. good. It is good. It is. Yeah. You should come, man. Let me know if you're there. I can, I mean, I don't know all of Nigeria, by the way, but I'm from Lagos. And if you're ever in Lagos, let me know. I might not be there, but I can put you up with people that will give you the best time of your life. I'm going to hold you to that. Mom. You should. You should. I'm, gonna I, hold I'm not going to say I'm going to visit Lesotho anytime soon because your high altitude mm-hmm. is not good for my. Um, I have a sickling gene that really. Uh, precludes me from going to places with high altitude because I oh. lose my breath. Yeah, like because I just come from Denver, Colorado, Colorado, Denver, uh-huh. and I, mm-hmm. I remember when I was in Santa Fe as well. I had gone hiking, and I was just mm-hmm. out of breath a lot because my my once I go high, you know, for, to a higher altitude, mm-hmm. my oxygen oxygenation levels like go low, and it's hard for me to breathe. So I don't know about Lesotho, yeah, but it looks good. Let's just say I might have to like pack my oxygen tank, which I don't use. <laughs> 
I don't hope to ever use, but it looks so beautiful and so tempting to see those mountainous area that I would love to visit there one day, but it's not on my, you know, travel list. But you should come to Lagos is what I'm trying to say. And yes, just hold me up to it. Let me know whenever you want to go. Well, thank you. I will hold you that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We eat a lot of meat, by the way, and um, like Lagos is bordered by, um, we have the Atlantic Ocean. So if you mm-hmm. like seafood, if you like meat, um, meat. there's some always meat. Yeah, and then you guys eat a lot of carbs, so we eat a lot of carbs as well. So it's not gonna be like a huge um, palate um, variation for you. Some of the food will look familiar to what you currently eat. I think the thing I really loved in West Africa was goat meat. Really? Yes, I love goat meat. Wow. I'm I'm, I'm based in the US now, so I'm yeah. still trying to find like people who who cook it properly like i want to go to like a nigerian restaurant or one of the west african nations where they eat goat meat Girl, where, you at? where you are in the u.s where are you at i'm in virginia so really close to it's a short commute to dc um, dc new york huh. you should find a nigerian restaurant they would have it especially in new york i can get right in harlem yeah brooklyn you yeah. like maryland find yourself a nigerian restaurant girl and that's what okay. the- Good, good meat and eat it with eba or amala and so i don't know if you know this kind of like the mendazi um equivalent of kenyan food i don't know if you were aware of that but it's like a corn-based um of yam flour based meal you know okay agglutination by hot water it forms like a morsel shape and then you mm-hmm. eat it with like soups and then oh my goodness it's so good but if you're ever in um oklahoma city you should come if you ever want to come visit me i promise you to make good meat for you it's a common staple here Oh, awesome. I, yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You will never hear me saying I'm going vegan or anything like that. I'm like, no. <laughs> if you need me, me to kill it myself, I can do it. I mean, I don't like it, but I can do it. So you can spare me that, that whole thing. No, I'm not going to. We don't kill. I don't kill here. I, I don't even like killing animals. I just delude myself into forgetting about how my food gets to me. But yeah, I yeah. buy my goat meat from, believe it or not, from Chinese restaurants here. And um, from Chinese stores, actually. They sell it. And um, when I was in Austin, one thing we did with my friends was um, I had a guy that had a, he, he had a hunting license by his house. And mm-hmm. he, he was like, you know, like no hunt, well, he wasn't hunting the goats, but he had a goat farm and he would kill it, skin it, and then would, you know, divvy it out. It was like a mm-hmm. hundred bucks for a whole gut and then we'd just share it and put that in the freezer for a long time and, you know, just took out of it and he made food out of it. It's, it has a very distinct flavor that I like. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I had it in Sierra Leone, and and yeah, it was, it was good. That's Pretty one of good. my memories about Sierra Leone. Oh uh, yeah, I saw that you. I actually I've been to Sierra Leone. I was there for four weeks in two thousand and ten. Oh my God! I was also there in two thousand and ten. I was in Koindu, um, Moyamba, Bo, and we came through Freetown, and then we took the sixteen-hour. Um, bus ride or was a van ride to Kindo. Yeah, it wow. was a missionary trip, yeah. I was only in Freetown. I didn't get to travel outside. Uh, but uh yeah. It it was it's an interesting place and the people are really friendly. Really good. I think it, for me, I think Africans are have that distinct um quality of just being, you know, open hearted and warm and kind to, you know, strangers and things like like we just were very welcoming yes yes that, that that yeah yeah i mean we can say that largely about the whole you know continent like people are really yeah. really nice and even without having a lot you know they mm. 
they just want to give you everything, you know, open their doors wide open for you and, you know, make you feel like a king or queen in, in my case. Yeah. Yeah, I found that as well. Um, it's 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 really, it's touching. It's touching. Um, yeah, most of the places I've been, that's that's been the experience. And like you say, especially when you're invited into somebody's home, that's, that's really a big deal. Um, and it's it's always a touching experience. Yeah, like you're, you're thinking, how can you afford that? Like, you don't have like chance to sit on, but then they, they've probably killed the only goat they had and they've made a yes. fist out of nothing. And you're like, I feel so bad that I'm taking, you know, just little you have. But to them, it's like, no, you have to, you have to partake in this. And if you don't do it, it's almost like, you know, accepting of what they've prepared for you. So yeah, that it always would be the bigger yeah. insult. It's yeah. so, so, so that's part of my argument. Me too. I'm like, I, I <laughs> are vegan, and I'm like, then you know what? No, it's your choice. And unless it's your religion, then yeah. okay. Yeah, but it's that like, there are some yeah. places where. People have so little that when they give with their whole heart for you to Same. turn around yeah. and say, well, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm just like, you, you know what? You should stay home. Don't yeah. travel. Yeah. Because to them, they'll feel like you're rejecting, you know, that they're not enough for you, that kind of thing. Because I remember when I was in, when we were in London, because we went for a mission outreach. And every morning, I kid you not, we wake up in the morning, there was like a bunch of, you know, banana, two bars of yams, like everything they had to bring in. At the point, we had to ask them, you guys need to stop bringing up stuff. Like, we have enough to eat, but they wouldn't yeah. have it. They wouldn't have it. You know, they would, they would, you know, go on their harvest and bring stuff home and then, you know, deviate into some certain portions and bring some for us. You know, yeah. that hospitality, I mean, that's that's really, really overwhelming sometimes. But, yeah, that's just the spirit of African people. We're very given. It is, it is. Yeah. And it's nice to sit in a home and share a meal and have food that you've never seen or heard of before yeah. and eat it in a new way. I mean, that's, that's part of what I love about my life at the moment. Yeah. Um, traveling to new places. I, I, I love, I love food. As long as there's food, I'm a happy woman. Oh, friends. We should be best friends. I love food too. And I like <laughs> to experiment with food. I like to, you know, um, f- I like to find ways of doing things I've been doing for a while, like how to cook rice differently, how to blend flavors from, you know, um, Nigeria with Korean stuff or even with like wow. fried like I do I just do a lot and it always ends up being good and I'm so, very bold I take a lot of bold chances with food yeah wow I, I, I'm I I'm going to leave you going down that road because uh-huh. I don't like to cook I love like, cooking I, I love I love I really, hosting <laughs> well, yeah, we should be best friends. Me, me, you cooking, me cooking, and you eating. I think will be good. So all now we need now is is another friend who really loves to clean. I know, and it will be good because <laughs> I I like to clean, but just to an extent, you know. Thank you. I will bring dessert. At least that's something. I good because I don't bake. I I I can't bake. Like my insecurities really pop up when I bake. I cannot bake, but I can cook. <laughs> 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 all right if I go to a restaurant i start with the dessert menu oh i like people like you like that kind of life is too short let's start with the desserts yeah, yeah. i have a very sweet tooth so i try to end with the dessert because if i start with the dessert i'm gonna eat all of that and i won't have enough you know space for food <laughs> yeah but i i understand people like you i just don't have any self-control when it comes to sweet things it's one of my weaknesses if i didn't have any sugar in my life i'd probably be like a size zero right now I so, know, you know, too short, like you said. Yeah, Jesus had his burdens, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, so tell me a little bit more about um, you. So, you, I, I assume you grew up in Lesotho, and then you moved 
out of it? What was your okay. journey? And how did you find yourself in the U.S.? Right. Okay. So that's what I wanted to tell you. And then we just got off course. Sorry. We love <laughs> Yeah, I warned you. I warned you. It's but okay. um, no. Okay, so I was born and raised in the UK. So that's why I always say I'm a Brit. And uh. then with sort of DNA. So I was born and raised in the UK. So I'm, I'm, I'm British. Mm-hmm. Um, and You're then, British? Oh, yeah. You're British. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually not bad. That's actually not bad. Thank you. Um, and then when I was 16, my parents decided they're going to do that. We're going back home thing. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. 16. 16. Imagine. The peak of your life. Right. So imagine how I felt. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we went, they were, we moved to Lesotho, my brother and I, my, my family. So there's only two kids in my family. So it's my brother and I, my parents. Younger or older brother? He's an older, he's older. Okay. Um, so then that was my, let's call it baptism of fire to Lesotho. It was... You know what the weirdest thing for me was? And I never had any concept of it before. Mm-hmm. It was, I'd never seen so many black people. Oh my. So it was like a reverse culture shock, but this was like from your people. It, exactly. But it was, it was, you know, growing up in, in London, it was all very multicultural mm-hmm. and nobody really described me as black anything, which is like, well, that's another topic. So I was always just considered myself British and people considered me British. You know, mm. the, the color of my skin was never uh, a topic of conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, yeah, moving to Lesotho. But then I realized like I've, I've actually not never seen so many people like me because it, it wasn't a factor, you know, it wasn't something I thought about. But I just had never seen so many black people in, in one place, like all around me. And that was like my first... That's one of the things that I remember about arriving mm-hmm. in Lesotho. But, um, and then, you know, I finished high school there. I went to university and I studied through UNISA. Um, so that was my time in South Africa, um, living in Joburg. Um, oh. And then what did I do? Went back home because jobs are scarce. I was working in, in a golf club. I was managing a golf club. Wow. Um, yeah. And I still don't know how to play. I know the rules. <laughs> You know, you know, there are people who can even kill their interest in learning something with the way they can. Like they, no, okay. You didn't know that? You didn't learn that? I, I, I know how to play. I know the rules. But you, and it was a great experience because mm-hmm. I met so many people who, are, who helped me on my path and in my career. Mm-hmm. So that was great. But golfers can take their game very seriously. Mm-hmm. So if I'm opening the golf club in the morning for a tournament that starts at seven o'clock, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be unusual for me to get a phone call at half past four in the morning. Somebody asking me what team they're playing on and which tee they're, they're supposed to tee off from. Oh, half past four. Oh my gosh. Those kind of people. Yeah. And I'm not a morning person at all. Me too. <laughs> I'm nocturnal. That's why you, you got emails from me at like two o'clock in the morning. Me too. <laughs> and I was just doing back and forth. I wouldn't think it was weird. <laughs> so anything in the morning just addles my brain, really. It, it really does. Like it, it takes a lot of focus for me. So that half past four thing. But I'm, I'm interested in learning to play golf. Um, okay. So then that's when I met my, my now husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, in South Africa? 
Yeah, well, in Lesotho, when I was working in Lesotho, ah, okay. um, he was working on a contract there. And when his contract expired, we were committed enough to one another to say, okay, um, let's do this. So basically, um, I quit my job and I packed up everything. And that wasn't a hardship to do that because I was bored in the job that I had. And I didn't really feel that um, it, was, it was going anywhere. Hmm. Um, the people who were, sh- they weren't shocked because they, they knew him by then. But, um, you know, I had a couple of comments, uh, you know, you're leaving your country. What if things go wrong? And my, my answer is always, but what if it goes right? You, you, mm. you will always have a home to go back to. Just, just, just try it for goodness sake. Just, just try it. Go live somewhere else if you can get to know other people. So yeah, we've, we've been traveling kind of for the past 10 years. You've been married for that long? No. So that is another thing. Um, oh my God, I'm airing all my dirty laundry. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't really want to get married and neither did he. Ah. We, were, we were sort of, yeah, that's another thing that, that just blew my, my poor mother's mind. So, <laughs> but um, I, I didn't want to get married and and neither did he and we were very happy and committed to one another but there are some places where it's it would be hard for me to be seen as his spouse if we're not legally married Mm. so you know i would we would turn up at places and at the airport or wherever and the him will say okay so this is this is my spouse and because we're not married and we didn't have the same surname um you you kind of get the look or the mm. comments that, okay, so she's temporary kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that, that was awkward. But um, we did eventually get married, and it was, it was amazing. We got married in Cyprus. That was really fun. Nice. Um, your mom was happy? <laughs> yes, she danced, she she probably danced the most at the wedding? <laughs> <laughs> she was really happy. My dad was really happy. Um, in my culture, you're supposed to pay Lobola, but we... Bride price? Okay, yes. Yeah. But I don't like that translation. See, I feel that's a Western outlook on my culture. Mm. <laughs> um, Thanks for are... correcting me on that, because I'll I just call it no. bride price. But go ahead. No, everybody does. And, and you're not wrong, but it is kind of what I feel personally is a loose... Is, is a loose erroneous translation of what it's about i mean you're not paying for another human being there's no culture like that mm. i mean or everybody's culture cares about people and the value of people inherently um i mean the way it was set up originally from my understanding is you know we have traditional roles so the male goes out and he does the hunting and, and all of this kind mm-hmm. of thing and then the the, the the woman is moving in to a new family because you go where your husband is so what was happening is um, they, it, it's done with cows in my culture. Mm. So and I heard it, that you guys value, like cows are even more expensive than money. Oh my goodness. Yeah. All I need yeah. is a couple of cows for my retirement plan and I'll be set. <laughs> <laughs> and I never mind money in the she bank. You just, give me, just give me a couple of head of cattle. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, you, you would sell that cow so that you can send your daughter with things that she needs to start her marital household. Wow. You know, pots, blankets, 
um, clothes, things like that, so that you're not just sending your daughter as, you know, here's your property, she's going to work for her keep. You're sending, saying her, she comes from a home, she is valued, but she's moving into your home and see how we've, we've raised her, things like that. So that, that's why I feel that bride price doesn't quite reflect Refer for you guys, yeah. how beautiful and how respectful Mm. the the labola system is and yeah maybe it's gone wrong maybe some of it has gone wrong today but you know what um and who provides yeah. it? Is it is it the husband's family or your family um the the man's family will pay my family labola so that the, 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 the yeah. yeah we call it bride price back home and i know different countries i call it i call it like the mahadi yes. or the magadi or the lobola but then if if price. you if you take the the traditional name, mm-hmm. when you translate it mm-hmm. straight into English, does it really mean bride price or does it mean something else? Probably. I mean, I'm sure they'll have like, um, it's probably going to mean a lot more because it has like, exactly. when you translate, you're just translating. The exactly. Style. So that somebody can understand quickly. Yeah, that kind of thing, you know, in yeah. the hurry, like, okay, that's a short word for it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, and you see, I digress. Oh, got mad. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> um we got married uh a couple of years ago three years ago mm-hmm. um, and that's when we were living in lebanon and oh, how many countries have you lived in girl i think only four or five so how old are you <laughs> really yeah. okay i i turned no let me own it i turned 40 last year wow you sound like a a 30 something year old or late 20s <laughs> Yeah, oh, no, seriously. Like when I say sound, I mean like your vibrancy. Even like your yeah. not like voice voice, but there's a usefulness about you what I'm trying to say. It's a good thing. Thank you. I'm trying to compliment you actually. Thank you. I I take it fully. You're I'm very young at heart you. and even the way you come across I am, very I'm a child at heart. And yeah, I'm that's what I'm trying to speak to. Because people tell me that about myself, like you don't look your age. Yeah. Oh yeah, I get that. I get that a lot as well. Um, but yeah, I I, I actually can be childish and yeah, so much so that I embarrass my kids. But that's <laughs> and I'm like, what what are you going to do about it? This is my house. I will embarrass. <laughs> oh wow! And where's your husband from? Is he um um Masoto as well? No, he's from the UK. Um, uh-huh. but he's been working on the continent for years and years. He's been to more African countries than I have. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel ignorant sometimes when he tells me about the geography of places because I'm like, okay, and where's that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, I think it went Sierra Leone. Yeah. Then it went Cape Town. Yeah. Then it went mm, Namibia. Mm-hmm. Then it went Joburg. Mm-hmm. Then. Hmm. Then I don't remember. Then it went. It went Lebanon, mm-hmm. I think, and then U.S. I'm not sure oh. if I've left anywhere out. Oh wow, that's quite a. I'm trying to, as you mentioned, the places. I'm trying to dot, draw like points to like map it out, yes. and it's not even like a straight line. It's no. almost like a jagged line, you know. Of all it of is. That. Yeah. But life never goes in a straight line, right? It never, it never. I started thinking about how when you were younger and what you thought your life was going to be like. Oh, it's never, goodness. it's never quite the same. No, it, it, it's it's so different. I didn't imagine anything like this. Um, yeah. I always wanted to see the states, so I'm happy that we're here. Uh, 
but but yeah, yeah. I don't even remember what I wanted to be when I was. I think I wanted to be a lawyer or something. Hmm. Who knows? Anyway, good. And how long have you been living in the US? Um, it's been two years. Okay. Um, but it did like everywhere I moved to. It takes me about a year to feel really settled and to stop feeling like a tourist or a visitor. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that, that whole expat lifestyle, you know, you, you make connections, you make friends, but you know, in four, three or four years, you're going to have to pack up and move again. Um, and I'm a person who likes to keep in touch. Yeah. I feel once you've connected with somebody, there's no good reason why you can't keep in touch. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, sometimes you'll meet people and you know, it's different outlooks. You were friends in that place, in that environment, but then afterwards it's like, yeah, you know, no contact, which yeah. is, it's weird to me. It's weird, hmm. but different strokes. Different. I think it boils down to personality type because I, the people I like, I, I would like to spend time with them. And if I don't, hmm. if I can't be with, in the same physical space as they are in, I like to keep in touch and just check in once in a while. I just keep some of that, you know, hot distance going. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah, and I like to also. I like to, I like it to be reciprocated. You know, just often, not so that way it doesn't seem as if I'm always the one initiating contact with you. That tires me out, and it always sends like the wrong message. Probably I'm being a bug, and I, so I just stop. <laughs> yeah, I don't like yeah. to feel like I'm being a bug to someone. I'm just you know, you know, being like I don't know, trying to force the friendship or something. Yes. Yeah. It can be hard to know where the line is, but mm-hmm. I guess when you get to know people individually, you, you kind of work it out. You yeah. Yeah. For some friends, I'll make an excuse because I know they're not, like, I make very few exceptions. Cause maybe I've, <laughs> I've, cause I'll moan about it. I'll complain to you about it. And then some will adjust, but they'll be like, but you understand. Some, some I don't even bother about it. You know, whenever we get to talk is when we get to talk. I don't know yeah. about it, but some I know they can do better than that. I'm like, I shouldn't be the one calling you all the time. You need to check in on me as well. And yeah, then that's why I then remember that. you all of a sudden, like, oh, oh, oh you called today. Well, good. <laughs> I guess my morning is working. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't call. I like. I really prefer to text. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm a manic texter, or I will send you an email. Are you um, one of those that will send like a, a transcript recording as an email, like long email stuff? <laughs> <laughs> or like voice notes, but I just find... Oh, I do that too. I do that too. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, if it, it's got to be... For me to sit on the phone for like 30 minutes, it's, it's like it's, it's got to be kind of scheduled. Yeah, um, yeah I yeah. know what you mean. I have friends like that, like when I see their... Caller ID on my phone, like, uh uh-uh, not today. Like, I'll just text him back. Um, like, I'll call you some other time. Because I know we can't just do 15 minutes. No, it's an enjoyable time to talk with them. But if I'm mm. busy at that time, it's not going to happen. Because I, I can't rush the phone. Like, we can't rush our conversation. There's always something to talk about. It's probably going to go into one hour, two hours. So I'm like, uh uh-uh, not today. Yeah. 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 I, I, do, I don't like to talk to everybody. I think some things you can resolve on the phone as far as just checking, out, checking people out. Like, checking on me or texting me and just maybe sending voice notes. But I mm. leave my phone conversation because it's sometimes draining, you know, it to be on the phone for so long. I, I guess when I, once I started doing podcasting, time became mm. like a very, um, you know, expensive commodity. I just don't want to just throw it away, just, you know, spending my time on the yeah. phone and talking and all of that. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. All right. Um, so you mentioned kids. Do you have kids? Because I saw someone like kids for me. Nah, I might call to that. Do you have kids, by the way? Okay, so I have two, my, my husband has two kids, so those kids are mine as well. Yeah. Um, 
but I don't see the whole terminology around this. I have not had kids myself. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So you, you're a mom. You, you're mom. You're mom to those kids. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, my, my kids are grown, so they're yeah. they're adults. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're. Yeah, I, I, so when I, let me, let me explain to audience that I got a questionnaire sort of, and what do I want to talk about? And we, part of it was, um, do I have kids or how do I feel about having kids? And what I said was, I've never felt the urge to have kids myself. Mm. And it's like the last thing that you can say in my culture. People, you know, they almost want to lock you up. The look that they will get, they're like, for your own good, we're going to lock you up like how can you be a woman and not want to have children and my response is very easily you know it's it's a yeah. choice mm-hmm. it's it's not i don't think it's written in anybody's dna um but it's i guess it's gender gender bias or i don't know also it's like how a woman might say i don't want to have kids they'll look at her somehow it's really from you're from africa but if a guy says i don't mm-hmm. want to have kids the way they just they might gloss over that right yeah exactly 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 that's that's exactly it. Um, what was your mom's reaction? I'm kind of curious to know. <laughs> I mean, when I was growing up, like I, I, when I was a teen, I knew that I didn't want to have kids, and I, I didn't really want to get married. And so the first reaction was like, "You're mad. You'll grow out of this thing." Yeah. Um, but then as I got older, I think she always just thought that I would grow out of it. Mm-hmm. And then my brother has a child so i'm like well okay there you go there's there's your grandkid like a mission accomplished so without me having to do anything you know um but she just always thought like oh once you get married and and blah 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 to me the two are not synonymous yeah Um, they're mutually exclusive (laughs) (laughs) i just i even the whole marriage thing um i mean it's 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 an amazing part of my relationship, but could I have gone to my grave happy if I didn't get married? Yes. Yeah. Um, will I go to my grave happy because I do not have children? Y- yes, because I really do not want to have children. God, I'm going to get so much hate mail. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it will be hate as much as um, people just wondering why. And I, I, like you, I didn't relate to you know, a part of your sentence because I didn't really want to get married as well. And I remember just telling my mom I was going to go to France, um, probably adopt kids because I love kids in a way. And, but mm-hmm. I, I wasn't really, marriage was not supposed to be my future. But then I met my husband and, you know, of course that I'm married and I've been married for quite a while now. And with kids, okay. some days I'm like, I want to have kids. Some days I'm like, I have a very bipolar uterus, by the way, where it just, you know, it's just swinging off and on. Like, do you want to have kids here or do you want to have kids? Okay. And um, I mean, I have been pregnant couple, twice, and, but I, you know, I had miscarriages. So, I'm at a point in my life where I'm just thinking, is it really worth that aspiration towards trying to, you know, have kids when it's so difficult? So what, what would you say? Was there any particular reason for you for not wanting to have kids? Or was no, just like, um, you know? um, it's nothing that it's not a pull I've ever felt and, and I'm sorry about the, the losses I kinda um, that's okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate the the kind words. <laughs> Um, but you know how there's this kind of belief that every little girl grows up thinking about her wedding day. Oh, the, yeah, Prince Charming to come and rescue. Mm-hmm. I never did that thing. Me too. I didn't do that thing. I used to decapitate my Barbie dolls. I hated them. I wanted the, the toys. I never had dolls. I never had dolls growing up. So, um, 
so <laughs> uh but I've, I've never just had sat down and had that feeling when i think about what i really want from my life and mm. kids are not a part of that for me i like kids i've got lots of nieces and nephews i mean i don't dislike kids i mean i have two grown kids in my life and i love them to bits um but actually raising a child from like zero no not for me never no Okay. It's just a no. And that's okay. I mean, no sometimes could mark the, it's a complete sentence. I just don't want it. And, you know, I don't have to tell you my reason for that. And, and I mean, as long as you also find somebody that, you know, understands that part of you, you know? Yes. That, yeah. that was also important for both of us. I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, yeah. And yeah, we agree on that. So, so it's, it works. It that's works. That's really good. That's really good. And I think, um, Women should be given the choices to choose, you know, yes. as far as what they want their life to be, if they want to get married or not, or they want to have kids or not. Not everyone should be married. Not everyone should have kids. And I think I we should find out what works for them. We shouldn't put, like, stereotypes, like, oh, the, big, the biggest day of your life should be the wedding. No, there's still the, the marriage afterwards, having to cope with this person you've put into your life and Thank find, you. you know, um, even the economic, emotional impact of having kids. I don't have kids. You know, but I can talk to my friends. It's not like an easy job, and not everybody is quite equipped for it for one reason or the other. You know, if you don't want to have kids, you shouldn't have kids. And no one should really exactly. feel like less of an individual for that. I, I, I just so agree with everything you've said. Um, yeah, not everybody is cut out to have kids. Uh, and I find that in most societies, men have the choice. Even when they do have kids, they can choose whether or not they're going to be parents. Um, you know what? That's so true. But a mom is almost always a mom. Whoa, that is so true. Um, and that's one thing that really irritates me. I think if we penalized men, penalize is the wrong word. No, if we held them accountable for their kids as much as we do women, we, would, we wouldn't have so many sad people in our society. Hmm. That's true. Yeah. Because yeah. a woman has to like go through the whole incubation period, carry that child, you know, and endure all the hormonal and body changes, bodily changes, and then pop out the baby. And then you're stuck with that child for the next, you know, 40 years sometimes if they don't leave the house. But then yeah, the man can just dust himself up and just leave, you know. We all know, you know, these amazing single mothers who are doing everything and, and more single-handedly. Yeah. Um, I mean, men are now stepping up more and more, but I mean, there's this, I just feel there's this, there's more to raising a child than financial help. There's so much that you need to input into this small human being. Um, And that's not to say that I am denigrating anybody's choices who's chosen to having chosen to have a child alone. I mean, I think that's brave and I think it's your choice. Women are penalized more by society. when Children and and, and it's unfair. And it's it's unfair. unfair. It's unfair. Yeah. You know, the way we look or if you if you decide, oh, you know, I don't want to get married. I'm just going to work hard, save up enough money and then travel the world. It's like, you're not fulfilled yeah. as a woman if you're not hitched to somebody. No, oh, you're always asked when are you going to settle down? I know. What do you mean settle down? I'm settled. Or when are you going to bring that person home? I'm like, I'm, I have a good job. You know, I'm paying my bills. I have yeah. friends in my life. I just don't want to get married. And yeah. I think that's what, you know, um, true family, feminism should be about. Like everyone that wants, whatever your choices are, not being able to, not being looked on like a second class citizen for not either 
you know, having someone you're married to or having kids. Like, whatever. Yes. Like, we should, especially among Africans, I feel like we are, we, we have a lot of catching up to do as far as just letting women make their choices. So for those yes. that are not, even, even among those that are pregnant or so that have kids, you have this divide about how many months did you exclusive, exclusively breastfeed your kids for? Yes. If you for six months, you're less of a mom. If you put them in a daycare, you're less of a mom. If you had a CS versus a, a, a vaginal birth, you're less of a Like, seriously, people, yeah. let people be, you yeah. know? And I mean, who is, is writing this narrative that we, we keep using? Women. You'd be, you'd be shocked at what we as women do to one another. Like, it, kind of yes. and bars were said above, you know, to like, you know, dictate what, what ought to be and not. But I mean, if you actually question it, you know, all of these beliefs and like, this is what a woman does. You wake up before the sun is even on the, you know, before the, the sun is rising and then you go outside and you sweep and you do all of these kind of things. I'm like, who made up this rule? Like who made up these things and why must I follow them today in 2019? Like, it, like where does it come from? Oh no, it's just the way it's always been done. No, I can't accept that. Yeah, this is why I feel like women should speak up for other women as well. If you find yeah. somebody being, being put down for the choices they decide to make, you know, because we, we never know what a family dynamic is. Like, there's no one way to make a family or to build a family. You know, if yeah. you find somebody being put down or, you know, or being made to feel less of a human being for the choices they decide to make, you need to speak up for them. You know, because one thing that works for you might not work for somebody else. If you don't understand that process, why not just keep quiet? Instead of trying to yeah. make, make people feel less of a human being, you know, you know just don't be yes. husband and all that. But no, I agree. And sometimes, you know what, they, they are, our, our mothers are awesome and they did things that were pioneering for their generation. Um, and now it's our turn to to actually carry that on and, and, and have lives that are defined by us. That's um, so true. That's so, so true. you know, it, it's okay if they don't understand. Yeah. Okay? But like you say, if they can accept it, that that's a win. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a win. That's so true because um, I, I'm, I'm thankful for their generation because they did a lot to like provide this template for us because without mm. them, we don't have a way to assess, okay, what worked and what didn't work, mm. you know? And so I don't, I try not to like, you know, castigate them like, oh, they're so backward. No, we've seen some gaps to fill and we're working on that. So, and I think that job is on us to make it better. And hopefully the next generation will find ways to do, you know, things better than, you know, we're doing currently. We can only improve on, you know, on processes and, you know, norms. We shouldn't be like set back in time. Some things are still good traditionally, as far as, you know, maintaining a good family structure. Um, raising yeah. kids, you know, if you have kids, raising them in a very um, healthy, wholesome environment. Those are mm-hmm. core traditional values. No matter how progressive we go, I still want to think that for those that have decided to bring kids into this world, they can provide a loving environment you know, and with, um, for them and all of that. But as yeah. far as, you know, women's rights and people that want to, you know, be um, um, professional women, people that want to be stay-at-home moms, people that want to just do it both, you know, have um, half of the week they work from home, half of the week they work in, um, they, they stay at home or things like that. Whatever yeah. works for you, just find your plan, your flexible flexible plan, and just go for it. And don't let anybody make you feel like a third person or, or an inferior person. Yeah, that, that's it. That's absolutely it. Thank you for that. Um, and I know you said you lost your parents um, a while ago. I did. Right? I'm yes. so sorry for your loss. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Um, I'm, everybody knows it's a natural part of life, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, grief is always a process. Hmm. Um, I think the hardest part was being away from home hmm. and knowing that, that somebody is ill. 
um, my dad, um, it was cancer that took him. Hmm. So I'm sorry. So the, oh, it's okay. So by the time we, um, sorry, by the time I, I, we knew and it had it diagnosed, it was, it was already in the, the later stages. What kind of cancer um, was it? Oh gosh. What, what's it? Is it it's, prostate? Yes. Thank you. That was oh, it, prostate. I, I do research on that. I'm so sorry to hear. No, oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I mean, it was also about, you know, um, it's, I'm told that the, it, the, if you catch it early with the testing. Yeah. But also, like, just the knowledge and the education around that isn't well known. It's um, not, especially in Africa, no. And by the way, yeah. your brother needs to start screening as early as possible once he hits 40. I will let him know. No, seriously, because there's a high linkage with, um, like, a, fa- a strong familial factor. If you've mm-hmm. had a father with it, you know, um, it's yeah. um, it's a high, that I mean there are three main um, risk factors for prostate cancer. It's um, age, it's ethnicity, so race, ethnicity, and then family um, history. So if you're black, mm-hmm. um, if you're so that's that's a risk. Uh, age, sorry, age, as you go older, sorry. Mm-hmm. So even Metisela, the oldest man that lives, he probably had prostate cancer. And then if you're black, you you have a high risk for that. And then if you had a father figure, like someone in your house, like a, fa- a first degree relative, mm-hmm. like a father. Mm-hmm. Can affect you, and then you as a female, you also need to check because I've seen some linkages with the BRCA gene. So you yeah. need to check yourself for breast cancer as well as often as you can. But talk to your doctor the about your risk factors of it in yeah. my family. And, yeah, and also yeah. broken. So yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I mean, that's one of the factors where I I just decided late last year that I'm going to lose some of this weight that I'm carrying. Mm. It's less about vanity and more about health, especially with. 40, I was, you know, 40 was on the horizon. Mm. But yeah, so I lost my parents. My, my dad went first. Um, mm. And my mom, so, okay, let me wheel back a bit. Well, I was in Lebanon when my father um, was, was getting sick and he was a man that didn't like to go to the doctor. Mm. He, yeah, he digested, you know, something had to be falling off. You know, he had to be losing a limb. Yeah, he would go if it, bleeding or not getting out of bed. Yeah, it's that's yeah. so typical of uh, most African men. <laughs> <laughs> so there was there was that struggle, and I think that sometimes the roles become reversed, where you your you actually become more of the parent figure, mm-hmm. and you're you know, and you start actually taking care yeah, of yeah. the parents as if they are the child, because they're in mm-hmm. that later stage of their life. Mm-hmm. So and they become so vulnerable. You look at them. You used to be so yes and so full so of power. Strong. What happened to you? Yes, and go for walks. But now they were just happy watching. So so <laughs> we to see like they were just so happy watching their soaps, and they wanted a simple life, and they wanted soft food, so they didn't want any of my funny healthy food with too much crunch in it. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so I was in Lebanon, and then was my dad who was getting physically ill. My mom. Now, looking back, we realized that she had the early signs of dementia. Oh, um, wow. So when my dad passed, um, that really just, I, I guess, knocked her over the edge, if you, if you can say it that way. Mm-hmm. When, because she, she just couldn't take in that he had passed. She still used to say, oh, she's waking up to cook for my dad and she thinks he's gone out. So... In the end, we just used to play along with it because she would walk into his bedroom and say, okay, where is he? And I'm like, oh, no, he's just gone out. Mm. Um, and it was, it was heartbreaking. You know, you would do it with tears in your eyes. But uh, 
this there's no there would be no point in upsetting her so don't you remember that you know daddy passed away because she didn't remember and then she mm-hmm. would you know it would be like telling her for the first time um and there's there's nothing that you would gain from that mm. um but it's it's hard well, which already meant like what because dementia is like a broad name for it was it like alzheimer's or what kind of dementia does she have we don't really know mm. because also again that those there's not a really a, a good what would i say a lot of education kind of, about yeah those. yeah yeah even the history you might not even really know yeah that's in africa as well i feel like we lose so much of our medical history yes yes um but it's 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 kind of worrying like i was the one going and asking the doctors is it alzheimer's is it is it is it you know some sort of dementia and they're like oh you know it, it could be one it could be none and i just felt like it was the first time they were hearing these phrases so we we don't know we really don't know but then she suffered two strokes <sighs> and i i could handle her being forgetful i could and like it's hard because she wasn't only forgetful like they get scared and mm. there were days when she didn't know where she was and then she would just lash out and be angry but 5 minutes later she would be fine <sighs> and if you don't know what you're dealing with or know that this is an illness people will also react badly to it you know so um but anyway that was just another factor of it so then but she had she had a stroke um then the second stroke was the one that really robbed her of everything she was mm-hmm. basically just get running it was basically like she was a vegetable and um you know that was when after the second stroke i just i just prayed and i just said you know god this is no longer a person this is a shell of the person that we know that there was there was no light in her eyes but you know the heart was beating and i was just like lord just the kindest thing is for you to take her home hmm. which is it's either difficult thing to pray about. I can't even imagine saying it to one of my parents. It is. Um, depending on your outlook, it's either the kindest prayer or it's either the cruelest prayer. Um, mm. I thought it was the kindest. It was hard to do, but I mean, she's my mom. I, I I miss her every day, but seeing her like that was was just it. Yeah medicine needs to keep up with the aging process i think mm-hmm. <laughs> i think you know medicine is a little bit behind because you know she was just alive but she wasn't she wasn't living she couldn't speak she couldn't mm-hmm. do anything for herself um and she was in a, she was in so much pain she was in so much pain every day all day that you're just like this this is cool this this is cool <sighs> i'm sorry for um, your loss i don't even know what to say i mean losing two I, parents I, at the span of 3 years yeah but my my i mean my dad was my dad married late in life so my dad was in his 80s my mom uh-huh. passed i would say a little bit early she she didn't make it to 70 actually uh-huh. um but it was kind of for her to go when she left i mean even after her second stroke uh the the person was not there anymore the person who was my mom was not there anymore mm. and i mean we we go through that grieving process and it's hard um and then we moved to the us so that's why i actually had the time and the space to grieve and i was lucky in that respect a lot of people their lives are still going on you know they've got to go to work they've got yeah. commitment yeah. but um i had the time and the space to grieve and for that i will be 
forever grateful. Yeah, yeah. And I can't even imagine that I, 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 from experience, just my own kind of grief is mm. it's not it's it's finite, you know. So it's infinite, infinite. Sorry, mm. it's not like something mm. you do when you're done. You never yeah. forget, you know. And I can't like, and this is just me losing like how many weeks pregnancy. And every now and then I remember take me to a place, but it's just the courage to keep going on in honor of that person or those people you have lost. Cause you never forget. Yeah. It's not something that you can just pack up shop and be like, okay, I'm done for today. Uh, and that's yeah. it. No, it could even come back like the very next minute. Yeah. But I think it is important to go through it. Um, it's important to, if you need to curl up on the floor and scream your lungs out, yeah. then that's what you need to do. If you need to bang every pot in the kitchen, then yeah. that's what you need to do. <laughs> yes, and yes. I, I worry about the people who bottle it up. Um, yeah. It's going to come out one way or another. So, so, so let it out. And there were days when I just didn't want to talk to people or for the first three to six months, I couldn't watch a program where somebody was dying. I, oh, it was just a rule in my house. You just change the channel if I'm there. Oh. And I'm like, look, this just triggers me. Please just change the channel. But now it's, it's, it's better. It's, it's better. But um, it's, it's a process. It's a, and it's, it'll be as hard as, as it's going to be. And every, everybody's process is different. It's everybody's so different. It's so different. And, and that's why I'm quite, kind of very careful to like try to compare my experiences with grief with someone else's experience. We, we could have lost the same thing. But the yeah. way we process this is different. So the best you can just do is listen and just, listen. Yeah. you know, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. If you need me, let me know. Or just even sit down, you know, hold your hands and don't say anything. You know, and, and I feel like here in the West, especially we've, the way we deal with pain, I feel like pain is, is not necessarily a bad thing, except if you have like a chronic illness. But like mm. those pains we go through, we've, we found ways to like medicate ourselves. Either, mm. you know, through actual drugs or, um, a diversion technique, um, get, mm. getting busy with work, anything to just avoid us sitting down and talking with our soul and finding out why we are, you know, constantly in the throes of what we go through. And we yes. adopted that same template with grief, something that needs to be brushed because it's uncomfortable to talk about over the dinner table. Uh, why can't you just get over it? It's been, you know, X amount of years. But we're yeah. different people. And, but you have to comfort Like You have to, like, listen to what he has to say. Because the amount of grief you have is almost the same as the um, amount of love you've had for that person. You have you have for that person that you lost, and so grief Nothing is just happened. love. Turn it's a, it's not love and pain, and yeah. and that you know um, acknowledgement of of just the the finality that is death. As far as yeah. about the world and the, the, like this person is not on the same plane as you are in, but it's yeah. love growth that go, goes with it. Because I mean, I have been. At a point in my life where there was time I, I couldn't even cry anymore. Like I cried, there was day I cried so much that I couldn't produce tears for that day, mm-hmm. and I couldn't even I couldn't talk because my I, you know cried and cried and cried and, and so what I just did was just I kept rocking myself and you know just whatever guttural sound could come out of my mouth I was just doing that I was trying to mm-hmm. console myself because I was so physically drained you know yeah. that I couldn't do anything anymore but I was still in pain you know and yeah, yeah so. It is. It is. It's hard. And it's hard for people to see. But I think like if I was going to say one thing, yeah. it would be reach out to the person a week or two weeks after the funeral. 
not the same day, right? <laughs> yeah. I found that I was so busy dealing with the funeral arrangements and, and you know, everybody was helping and getting in touch. But it was like this loud silence hmm. after everything was done. And then that's when I really needed people to talk to. That's when I really mm. wanted to talk about my mom or my mm. dad. And everybody just feels like it, it either makes some people nervous. They don't want to trigger you or upset you. Yeah, like put or, the PA, like we're not sure. People, um, yeah, or it mm. makes some people really uncomfortable that they don't talk at all. They mm. don't, they, 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 you just kind of lose contact. And I'm going to say, be brave. If this person is your friend or your family, be brave and, and just check in on them every week. Mm. That's what I, I like would say. That. I like that. I like how you said weeks after, because everybody's around you on that day off or, yeah. you know, the week, yeah. whatever ceremony you do. And then it just, leave you be. And it's, that's so important though, because that's when actually, because when the loneliness, when the noise down, dies down, yeah. because when you're with people, it's hard for you to grieve because you're in a way trying to be mindful of them. You don't want to, you know, act like yes. a sour person around them. But when the carnival like packs up and goes home and you're yes. left to your devices and everywhere is quiet and you're seeing things that remind you of that person you exactly. lost. Exactly. It's exactly. like, oh my gosh, the waterworks just opened and I'm the only oh person here. It's know. so bad. Yeah. And then, you're, so yeah, I was, I was there like, okay, so now who do I call? And luckily mm. my, my cousin was amazing. My best friend was amazing. My husband was amazing. I, I had people that I could call. Mm. Um, but I would say that, you know, it's, it's so, they will be up. They might, they might be upset, but they'll go through the process and they will appreciate that you actually thought of them. So yeah, reach out. Thanks for that reminder. I, I would make sure to make a mental note of that. Because you're right, it's, it works for me, but it wasn't something that I actually thought of doing for somebody else. I mean, I'll be there for my friends, but that continuity in checking up way after the fact and all of that. Even yeah. if you have to put it on your Google calendar, as long as you get it done. Yeah. You don't and have to know. <laughs> no matter how awkward you think it might be, I'm sure that person would appreciate just hearing from you and just if maybe even buying them dinner if you're close to them or going to make food for them or cleaning up your house because after that, you're oh, kind of drained physically. You can't even do things around the house. Just, you know, Maybe going home yeah. and cooking them a hot meal and, you know, bringing them flowers or just something to let them yeah. know that you really care for them. That could go a long way. Yeah. Or even as simple as a text if you're too afraid to, to say something. Say something. Or just, how are you doing? Or have you had dinner mm. yet? You know? Yeah. Thanks for that. So quickly, quickly, um, tell me about the podcast, Maven, and why it <laughs> was introvert. That piqued my interest. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because even though I talk a lot, I am an introvert. Um, large groups of people can sometimes be intimidating for me. I prefer one-on-one conversations. Mm. So I find that I like to work best with people that I understand. And I understand introvert personalities. You have a lot to say. Mm. Um, you want to think about how you say it. And you want to articulate it properly. Um, and, and that's why I work with introvert women. Um, Podcast Maven grew out of just me loving podcasts when they got started. And I used mm-hmm. to be a virtual assistant. And then I had a client who wanted to start a podcast and she just said, okay, find out how to do it and you'll do it for me. Um, and that's how I, I taught myself how to edit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the skill has grown and the business has grown as I've gotten better. Um, and that's, that's how podcast maven started. People started asking me questions and sending me stuff and can you do this? And I was like, okay, I can actually make more money out of this than I can being a virtual assistant because 
I was actually a really bad virtual assistant. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a good fit for me. I was bad. Oh, wow. I, was, I was bad. I, I don't like people telling me what to do, which defeats being an employee. Yeah. It just defeats the purpose. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how Podcast Maven got started. Um, wow. And I, I like to work with female entrepreneurs, most people who have some sort of presence online, a business presence online. Um, mm. But you don't have to have a business. You can be a coach. You can be a psychotherapist um i'm really passionate about mental health and yeah. removing the stigma um so yeah i just love to help people get started pretty good uh so are you saying that those that don't identify as um introverts shouldn't bother knocking on your door your virtual door no everybody is welcome <laughs> uh, and i will help you with your idea and i will yeah. help you get set up and i will edit for you yeah. um but it's it's you know those people who are like really thinking and doubting themselves like is is this a good idea is what mm. i have to say important is it relevant or there's a there's a show like this um yeah can, can you give so examples of some of the services you offer just in case people are like you know sure so um like with your podcast, if you ever got tired of editing it, because I, I know am you're tired of editing it, it drains the life out of me. <laughs> because it can be the longest part of actually talking about it. <laughs> um, so, if you have a podcast and you love podcasting and you love the interviews, but you hate editing, mm-hmm. then please get in touch with me. I will have a package for you. Okay. If you have a podcast idea, then you just want to learn about how to set it up and the tech that goes into it and everything you need to do to get it launched. I have an accelerator program for you. I will get you launched in less than three months. Um, if you want to do the different aspects of podcast casting, like um, show notes, which help with your SEO, we can help you with those. If you, oh, so you do like a search engine optimization as well. Yes. We've, wow. we've got an amazing copywriter who can write your show notes for you. Nice. Um, we can help you with your music so that you don't get in trouble with any copyright. We yeah. can help you with your artwork. We can help you with all aspects of podcasting. We can help you with um, the social media aspect, which can take a lot of time. Where were you last year when I needed you? <laughs> <laughs> or setting up that process so that you're always a couple so stressful. of weeks. I mean, if I had a one-stop shop like you that would understand my process, the thing was well, that everybody was like in different places. And it cost, you know, everyone that was trying to reach out for editing and logo. And yes. it was like going to like 10 different stores and they were going to charge me like, you know, three, four times as much. But you were like yes. consolidating the process. That's the beauty of your platform. Thank you. Yes. I want to make it easy. I want you to love the end product. Um, yeah. I want you to feel that podcasting is, is reaching the people that you really want to talk to and that, um, that you want to continue to do it. Yeah, but just in case, for those that want to reach out to you, where can they get, where can they get a, a hold of you? Okay, so the website is www.podcastmaven.com. Um, there's a contact page on there, or you can email me at info at podcastmaven.com, okay. or follow me on Instagram at the underscore podcast underscore maven, um, and you can contact me any of those ways. Okay, look, I'm going to put that information out. <sighs> That was it. Um, thank you so much. I don't know if you had any final thoughts before I close this up. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Okay, put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say that if you have a choice to make about leaving your country and it looks like a wonderful opportunity, just yeah. go for it. Try it. You can always go back home, but you might not get the opportunity again. Yeah. And don't be afraid to put your voice out there on the Internet. Um, 
your thoughts and beliefs are important. Just just try it. You should try everything at least once. That's so true. I mean, um, that's so true. And imagine that, because I remember you talking about how when you said you're going to leave, people were like, well, what if it doesn't work out? And you're like, what if it works out? And here you yeah. are, I mean, across the world, how many miles away from home, and just still making life and surviving and thriving. So, yeah, people, yeah. Um, just take that shot. Absolutely. You know, if you were back home, you probably would. I mean, whatever challenge you think you might have while you're away from home, you're, while you're away from home, chances are you might even have it worse off while you're still at home. And whatever <laughs> home might be, like, just, you know, don't don't let fear hold you back. Take that shot. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if you're predisposed to adventures, which I think you sound like that. I'm that way too. I love adventures. I've always loved exploring as a child. And so when I got that opportunity to leave my country and make a life for myself outside of my country, I just took it. Yeah. You know? And yeah. also I was just always used to other people and other cultures. I think, you know, growing up in London was really a blessing and I, it, always, it always feels like home when I go yeah. back to the UK. So yeah, I'm very lucky. Hmm. Anyways, thank you so much. Um, and I'm, I'm lucky, I consider myself lucky to have brought you on the show um, to learn more about your culture and um, just talk about, you know, your process as well as a podcast entrepreneur. Um, an entrepreneur, uh, yeah, and just what you do with your show and how you really help, especially women, to find their voices and, you know, streamline their processes. I think that's really, really, it's a very key thing you, you're feeling. I mean, a, a critical gap you're feeling in the podcast world, in the party world. So I'm really, really, really um, in awe of that. So good job with that. And also thanks, thanks. for sharing about your story and just, you know, um, your travels around the world and um, your, your language and your love for food <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. and all of that. It was really, it was thoroughly an enjoyable moment chatting with you today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the invitation and the opportunity just to talk so much because I can always talk. Um, but I had fun today. So so thank you. And I think your podcast is is an amazing concept and I love how it it's inclusive of so many people. That's mm-hmm. important. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, everyone, you've heard it from... Um, my wonderful guest today, Patricia, who uh, was born in um, in London, uh, but is also um, a Mosoto. That's someone from Lesotho, and it's it's a very beautiful country. I have seen pictures of mountains and hills and and just green lush lush greens, reminiscent of um, somewhere from the Shire. Like if you think about um, Lord of the Rings before they went to the land of orcs. That is, you know, it's so healy and, and green and beautiful. And, and as a Nigerian, I'm, I, I'm really honored to have been able to find somebody just to talk about the similarities and also the contrast between, you know, our countries. And at the core of it, we're, you know, we're, we're warm-hearted people, um, largest at heart. And so, yeah, this is what the show is about. It's about culture and just, you know, for cultural nomads as well. And so I'm, I'm really, really thankful to have had that opportunity today. Well, if you'd like to be on the show as well, let me know. Um, you can email me at talktomo at mosibo.com or just check out the website www.mosibo.com and all of the show notes from today's episode, including um, a link to Patricia's website and what she offers and um, hopefully a promo code. Well, if you can set that one up before this episode um, airs, you can find that on the website as well along with this episode. Well, I have been your host, Masibo, and thank you all so much for listening. All right, lady. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. How do you say goodbye in um in, in Masoto? Um, Samaya Hante. Samaya Hante. Hante, and I, now I'm saying it like a European. Samaya Hante. <laughs> but I, I need to tell my friends. But thank you so much, and uh, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I might get to the hospital. Yeah, and kids. Oh, thank you, and to yours as well. And thank you so much for the opportunity. We'll talk soon. Sure. Bye. This is bruised, this is who I'm meant to be, this is me.